Well, yesterday morning, I saw my husband struggling and struggling more and getting sicker and sicker. So I said to him, what are we going to do? And he said, so here I am. Um, What I want to do today is to take us all the way back in Genesis. We're going to look at Adam and Eve. We're going to go on a journey, a quick journey through the Old Testament. And then we're going to look, the greatest passage of scripture will be in Hebrews. So at some point in time, we will see Hebrews 1 to 10 on the screen. And at that point, I want us to stand and say that together. I know that we live in, in an imperfect world. It's a broken world. And the longer I, I live, the more brokenness I see. But, you know, in the world, what we see is brokenness without hope. And what it feels like is that, not, that hopelessness wants to press in to the people of God. And that is, we know that that is not God's will because in, in Christ, we have hope. Our lives are full of hope. I have had such joy every day this week. And I know, that, I know that God is at work. I know that joy is given because of obedience. And I, I just thank the Lord for that. So God's intent at the very beginning was that, was that we live in this perfect, perfect relationship and harmony with him. In the creation of Adam and Eve and in the garden that he had placed them, we read as you recall, that that everything was beautiful, everything was perfect. They truly were in perfect harmony. I I miss that we don't have that now. But as you know, because of their sin, because sin was created, it changed everything. And now we have what we have because of Adam Adam and Eve's sin. But you know, they, they didn't know that they had sin. They didn't know until they disobeyed, until they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Um, that they really had sin. There was no guilt, no shame. Because Genesis 3, 7 says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. So one might say, well, God is God. Why didn't he create Adam and Eve to obey? And I even thought, wouldn't it have been um, okay for God to say, okay, I'm going to create an early demise for these two people that have disappointed me, and I'll just create another Adam and Eve. But he didn't. And you know what? Man wasn't a puppet then, and we're not a puppet now. God loves us enough that he gives us the privilege of choosing him or rejecting him. So the second point I want to talk about is that God waits for us and we wait for him. Isaiah thirty eighteen says, And therefore will the Lord wait, that he may be gracious unto you, and therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you. For the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are they that wait for him. So what do we wait for God about? We wait in the word, we get in the word, we read, we wait for him to speak to us in his word. We, we wait for him to re- reveal truth. And we also wait for him to answer prayer. So we see in the story of creation, God waiting 
on Adam and Eve, and he called to them, Adam, where are you? They were hiding from him because of their nakedness. They had fear and perhaps shame by that time. God saw their sin and lovingly sought them, and he waited on them to answer him. James Usher, and that is spelled U-S-S-H-E-R, he lived from 18, excuse me, 1581 to 1656. He, he's not someone that I was familiar with, but he is considered a famous historian, and this comes out of um, Answers in Genesis. This James Usher looked at the scriptures, and he walked history backward using different points in time, and he came up with a theory that from the creation of Adam and Eve um, to the birth of Christ is about 4,004 years. And, and you, can, you can research that yourself. There's lots of stuff to, to read about it and to think about it. So during that time before Christ, in, in that 4,004 years, we, we see God's chosen people waiting on him and he's waiting on them to obey. He's waiting on them to uh, follow the detailed instructions that he gave the priests in Leviticus. These were actually, actually laws. They were called religious and ethical laws. And once a year, the priest was required to enter the temple and offer the blood of bulls and goats as an atonement for the sins of the people. And not only did God's people have his laws to live by, but God's laws, whether it was then or today, God has our best interest at heart. But you know what? We know the story, don't we? We know all through history, we know that God's chosen people didn't obey him. And God brought discipline time and time again. And he even sent his prophets to warn them, to foretell of things to come. And still we, we see this disobedience. In fact, they mocked the messengers of God. They despised God's word, and they scoffed at the prophets, and some they killed. We also know that even though Jesus, when the fullness of time came, Jesus came to earth, we know that Jesus was, God, with, was with God in the very beginning. We see that in Genesis 1-6. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And then we see Jesus all throughout the Old Testament in the Messianic portions of Scripture. For he said in Isaiah 9:6, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Yep, that's our government, isn't it? And so I want us to stand and read Hebrews 10, 1 to 10 together because I want us to see the beauty of why it was necessary for the old covenant to be done away with and how we live under the new covenant today. For the law, since it has only a shadow of good things to come and not the very form of things, can never by the sacrifices of which they offer year to year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Because the worshipers, having once been cleansed, 
would no longer have consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year by year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book, it is written of me, to do your will, O God. After saying above, sacrifice and offerings and whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have not desired, nor have you taken pleasure in them which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will. So he takes away the first in order to establish the second. By this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. It down. When it talks about the first, meaning the law, the old covenant, the old covenant could never take away sin or cleanse the conscience or change the heart. So what did God really want then? Well, we, look, we can look in Samuel, 1 Samuel 15, 22 to 23. Samuel gives us a clue to what God really wanted then, what he wants then, what he wants now. So Samuel says, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, it is better to, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed the fat of rams. For rebellion which is not obeying, is as the sin of witchcraft, and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. In other words, not respecting what and whom God has said is the authority that we are to live under today, um, is saying that there is another God, there's a lesser God that we are living under and obeying. And, and any God other than the one true God is actually Satan because he is behind everything that's false. And when we look to anyone else or anything else, that is idolatry. And when Hebrews mentions the second, that's the new covenant or agreement that was established by God when mankind sent his only son to take the punishment for our sins. And this was once and for all. There was, what would it be like today if we, if we had to go out and burn something or offer the fat of something because of sin and, and it, it didn't really accomplish anything. It didn't change the heart because Hebrews says that they carried a reminder of that 
year after year. It was never, never totally gone from their lives. So what is the Lord calling us to do? I believe in 2018, God is calling us to righteousness. What is righteousness? It's right thinking, right being, right doing. So God is saying in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. When my father died at the age of 16, I I remember saying to God, I was all by myself. I hadn't put it all together yet, spiritually. And I remember saying, God, God, where are you? I I can't find you, God. And... And then another time, these were major transitions in my life. And another time, um, we had moved from, from Ohio to Iowa, or excuse me, from, from Evansville to Iowa. And we were living in this rented house. It was a two-story house that was for sale. I had just given birth. We had been there one month, and I had given birth to our last child. And I remember looking around at the stack of boxes, every corner was filled with a box, clear the ceiling. And I remember just looking around and saying, God, I can't find you in this house. I can't find a place to sit down with you. I can't find, I don't have a sense of peace. And you know what? Both times, when I was 16 and when I was in my 30s, God God came in a very special way. And if I told you the second time how God came, it's, it's almost unbelievable. It, it was absolutely supernatural. And I don't, I'm not a drama queen, you know that. If you know mommy very well, you know I'm not. So I don't, I don't dramatize anything. But it helped me to see that, that no matter where we are, God is with us no matter where we are. No matter how crazy, how, how difficult our circumstances, God is with us. The word blessed in the Greek is makarios, and that word is really an indication of the state of the believer who is in Christ. You and I are the makarios in the world, and we know that our satisfaction comes from God, doesn't it, and not favorable circumstances. So we see the Father in the garden calling to Adam and Eve, He has seen their sin because God sees everything. We see him calling them back to himself. He is a God who wants to redeem and restore. First, he wants to restore that broken relationship with him. And then he wants to see see restoration in our relationship with others. Hebrews 13.1 says, Let the love of the brethren continue. And Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Secondly, we see God is waiting us to turn to him, to allow him to be Lord of our lives. So if, and we wait on God. So in view of that, if, if we haven't done that, what are we waiting for? If we're thinking, well, you know, I'm not in my 80s. I've got plenty of time to work all of this out. The word says our lives are like a vapor. We don't know 
when the end of our days will be. And as I said, in the fullness of time, Jesus came. God sent his son in the fullness of those 4,004 years. Jesus came. And our sin wasn't just covered over. The Hebrew meaning of the word atonement actually means not removed, covered over. And what Jesus did for us on the cross was a once and for all sacrifice. And if that isn't enough, Psalm 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, has he removed our transgressions from us. Hebrews 9.24b says, Christ entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. But to this one I will look, and this is Isaiah 66.2b. This is, this is what God is looking for in us. He says, to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. So where, where are you today? Are you simply a believer in God? Do you look around and you, you're, you're able to ascend to God's creation? You're able to see that, boy, God makes some pretty great people around here. But, but you maybe have not really personally asked Jesus to be your savior. Have you told him that you're sorry for your sins? Sorry enough to quit. Sorry enough to totally walk away from what God has said is sin. You know, God has to reveal sin. He, has to, he reveals what is in the heart. He is the revealer of sin. So if God has revealed sin to you, what, what did you do with that? What did you do with that? Did, did you confess that? Did you ignore that? But God is always at work in our lives. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Sin is absolutely no respecter of persons. And you know what? There are wages to sin. There are absolute wages to sin. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin, my sin, your sin, is eternal death, eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So will you, will you come to God today? Will you come? Will you confess your sins? Will you be cleansed and healed and ask God to be Lord of your life once and for all? Let God deal with the real. God, God meets us right where we are. Let him deal with the real in your life. And again, you might be thinking, I've got all kinds of time. I, I'm not elderly. I have all kinds of time to think about this. And again, you don't know what tomorrow may bring. Each day is a gift. And so I, I appeal to you today to consider what is being said here. And I'd like us to bow our heads and close our eyes and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just love you, Lord. And, and Father, we know that you have a plan. We sit week after week, Lord, and we hear your voice. We're in your word, Lord. 
And I pray, Father, that we would just simply be obedient. From this day forward, Lord, we just ask, Father, that you would show us our sin and, and help us, Lord, to repent of that sin. That means turning away, turning completely away and going the opposite direction. And help us, Lord, to follow you. Help us, Lord, to be in your word. Help us, Lord, to be growing each day because we know that, that you are there 24-7 walking with us, Lord. We don't have to be alone. And we just thank you and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.